right, good morning. My name is Scott, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Pillar Church of Jacksonville. And uh, just echoing what Benny has already said, it's, uh, it's an absolute delight to be worshiping here with you all uh, this morning. If you guys have your Bibles, um, go ahead and grab them a while. We'll actually be in a, a few different texts today, but I'm not going to take us all over. Uh, it's pretty uh, systematic. We'll start in Matthew, if you want to turn there a while. Uh, and we'll end in 2 Corinthians. I look forward to speaking on today's subject, uh, which is caring for orphans. And uh, I'm going to pray for that specific subject right now. Um, So would you guys join me in prayer? Father, I thank you so much uh, for sending your son, Uh, Lord, for showing us uh, the example of what love is, father to son, son to father. God, I pray for uh, those who have uh, felt that call to foster and adopt. Uh, Lord, I just pray for them that if they may be uh, in the thick of that right now, Lord, I pray that they would look back on where you have called them and where they currently are right now, and your grace is the same. God, I pray you would stir the hearts uh, from your word today uh, for those who are are feeling the call to uh, foster care and adoption. Lord, there is an absolute necessary need for it. And what a more beautiful way to show and exemplify the adoption that we have as your children in your kingdom through that partnership of caring for orphans. God, I I pray uh, for your word to be exalted today. I pray for you, Jesus, uh, to be exalted today. God, I love you so much. And it's in the wonderful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Uh, about, a t- about the time that it takes a, a vintage painting, back from what it, what it used to look like, right, when, when the artist painted it, to where through the process of restoration, it takes it back to its original form. I'm not talking about Bob Ross, a 30-minute happy, happy little tree and mountain landscape painting, although I do appreciate the time that he was on uh, PBS uh, watching him as a kid. Uh, no, I'm talking about a thick oil-based painting. The kind of when you... How's that? Good? All right. Pick up where we left off. Now, I'm talking about a, a classic painting, an oil-based painting, the kind that, hey, if you, if you walk into a university and you see a painting of some guy up on the wall there and you're like, man, that guy must mean something, that type of painting, the kind that through the centuries has become nearly unrecognizable, full of dust, dirt, cracks, Maybe the varnish painted over it is a little discolored. Listen, the the professionals who do this type of work, they spend 
hours upon hours upon hours, intricately restoring the painting back to its original picture. Listen, I'm talking about them having to take a microscope or a blacklight to capture even the most meticulous error. But from start to finish, from the time they receive the painting to when it's restored, it's a process. It takes time and a great deal of patience. What about an old house that needs to be restored? A home that has uh, weathered a storm uh, decade after decade, a home that's taken on significant water damage in the ceiling, the floors, the windows, causing issues in the structural integrity of the home. There's also an incredible amount of time that goes into the planning and preparation of such a great task. Oftentimes, that task is not done alone. It's a task that oftentimes it is, it is where you need to assemble a team that can help you along the way, right? I want you guys to maybe think of a, a small town, maybe a small town you grew up in uh, that sat dormant for years. Or maybe you're driving along one of the highways here in North Carolina and you see broken home after broken home or even a, a, a weathered down, uh, weather downtown with empty buildings on the brink of collapsing and requiring immediate attention. Think how much time and effort would have to go in to restoring an entire town to the beauty that it once held. Listen, all these illustrations started with something that was beautiful. And through time, something, something happened, something occurred, right? It required immediate attention. And through that time spent... And through recognition that there is a need for it to be restored back to the way that it once was. Listen, in God's creation of the universe, the heavens and the earth, His creation of man and woman, and Scripture captures in Genesis that God saw everything that He made, and behold, it was, it was very good. However, shortly after in Genesis 3, we, we, know that, we know that man rebels against God and sin then enters the world and we have a state of brokenness and because of that, this world and its humanity is left broken. God does not leave it at that. He doesn't leave it there. And through His redemptive plan, through the seed of the woman, He is going to unite all things to Himself once again through a promised Savior. That Savior would be Jesus Christ. And it is because of Jesus that we are brought out of that state of enmity with God to a state of renewed fellowship with God. So with all that in mind, I have a question for you. What would it take to restore a life? To restore a life of a child, a teenager, a newborn that is made in the image and likeness of God. Listen, if you're a Christian in here, it's because of Jesus. We have the joy and privilege of partnering with God through the means of foster care and adoption. Before I get too much further, I want to make it clear that this, this is not for everyone. And not everyone is called to foster and or adopt. But I will stress later in this sermon 
It is absolutely an all-hands-on-deck effort as a church. You may think, I don't have a part in this. Well, you do, and I will get to that later. The call to care for orphans through the means of foster care and adoption is a direct reflection of the gospel. And you will see in the few texts that we go through today, it's because of our renewed relationship with God through Christ that we are able to show that the outpouring of our love for Him to that of caring for the orphaned. So as we go through today, we're going to be in Matthew. Uh, first text we're going to be in is Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 16. And as we go through these texts, there's a, there's a few considerations uh, that will help us to think well as a congregation about caring for orphans through the means of foster care and adoption. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 reads this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, Jesus is in the midst of his Sermon on the Mount. He just finished giving the, presenting the Beatitudes here in this text and he's using the concept of salt and light. We see Jesus uh, talk about this in other texts as well. Uh, but these two concepts, they identify uh, the role of being a follower of Jesus. So it says, salt, so salt, you as a father, uh, you, are, you as a follower are a preservative in this fallen world. And you stand out as one that's living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, right? You're, you're living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You're seeking to influence the world for good. And Christ's analogy of being the, the light of the world, that, that identifies his followers who once lived among the darkness, now have been brought into the light. They're still living. Listen, we live in this broken world. We'll, we're still living in, that, uh, in among that darkness. And the good works in which God had set before the foundation of the world, well, those good works, they would be evident as a result of our salvation, right? Right? This is not ultimately for our own sake, though, but that the Father who is in heaven would receive the glory. That's what he says. He says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, the gospel is a light to the orphaned, and we get to be partakers of that through foster care and adoption. This is an opportunity for children to see Jesus' words to his followers, right, put into action. We talk about the fact that we still live in this broken world, and we do. But through the lens of the gospel, we truly see the brokenness found within the stories of these children. I didn't have to do very much research, but I happened to just log on to 
uh, Onslow County's uh, government website. I logged on, and it was their Onslow County's uh, social services website, and I clicked on the adoption tab, and, and one of the first things I read on the page was like this. That's exactly what it says. It said, most of the ch Most of the children who are available for adoption have been in foster care because they were neglected, because they were abused or abandoned by their parents or caretakers. This is so important for us to grasp as a church, not just to those who have been called to walk alongside but to walk alongside those who have been called and are actively doing it. Remember, we relate this back to being, as Christ says, salt and light. These children have, they have a backstory. You may be the first family to love them as Christ has displayed his love. There's a chance that some of you have been wrestling whether or not to take the next steps to become approved for foster care or adoption. I want to be the first one up here to tell you, and I want to encourage you to do it. If you are thinking about it, move forward with those next steps. If this is something that God has constantly laid on your heart and on your mind, and you're thinking about this over and over and over again, then you should act on it. I just want to let you know, and I'm going to talk about this at the end, but before my wife and I even moved toward in the process, we used to pray together as a husband and wife for the child that we do not yet know. Trusting that God, long before we would even meet our little girl, had her planned as ours. The next text we're going to be moving into is Matthew chapter 16. Uh, verses 24 through 25. This is a, a very, very familiar text uh, on Jesus' call. And as I read through this text, I want you to consider this. Uh, that Christ's call, consider that Christ's call to deny ourselves and follow him is echoed through our care for orphans. Consider that Christ's call to deny ourselves and follow him is echoed through our care for orphans. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24, says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For who, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The cost of following Jesus begins with self-denial. Some of you might be like, wait, 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 wait. You mean I actually have to, I have to give up my life and the things that uh, I was doing and to glorify myself and gratify the desires and pleasures of the flesh? Well, yes, that's, ex that's exactly what he's saying. Our natural inclination is that we are, right, we are at the center of existence. And that we are the most important thing 
uh, in this world. To deny, sorry, to deny yourself and follow Jesus now means to place Him at the center of your life. It means to abide in Him, to overcome the desires of the flesh that once ruled your life. Listen, this is, this is not easy. I know that. We're called to do it every day. That's why we constantly, constantly need that reminder to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Christ because we are so prone, so prone to go back to the way we once were. Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Listen, when we, when we understand that we are not the most important thing and we consistently deny ourselves every day and take up our cross and follow Christ, that is going to bleed over into other areas of our Christian life. Being willing to sacrifice time, energy, rights, even your position, the privileges that you once had, the comforts, all of this is for Christ and it exemplifies what it means to deny yourself. When you deny yourself as Christ has called you to, you begin to seek the good of others before looking out for yourself. Foster care and adoption means that you are inviting someone into your family. That Christ's call on your life as Christians compels you to step into the hard and care for orphans. Before any of us became Christians, we were broken. I think, I think we often forget that. Some of us have, have come out of the gutters. Some of us did not grow up in the church whatsoever. Some of us did grow up into the church and completely disregarded the truth of the gospel for 15, for 20 years. But it's powerful to look back and remember your brokenness, your old sinful ways, and how you once lived at enmity with God. But I want you also to remember that Christ who embraced us in that weakness, He was generous to adopt us into His family. By our adoption into His family, the course of your life has changed forever. The course of your life has changed forever. By denying yourselves and following Jesus, your heart begins to care for those who cannot care for themselves. There's a wonderful excerpt from the book Reframing Foster Care that captures the essence of this and why you do it, why you were called. And it reads like this. It says, Foster care is less about getting a child for your family 
and more about giving your family for a child. Caring for vulnerable children doesn't hinge upon what we might get out of that experience, but upon what we're called to give into it, no matter what. Remember those last three words right there, no matter what. Remember, just as Christ has given all, we are called to give ourselves. And just as that quote that I just read, it's not about what we can gain out of our experience. It is what? It is about the love. It is about the love. It's about the time. It's about the effort. It's about the genuineness that we are called to pour into that experience of foster care and adoption. Listen, there is not a one of us sitting here as you are looking at me. There is not a one of us that would not say that we are busy. The pressure that the world places on us to fill up every single second, every single minute, every single hour of the day, it's painful. But if you truly believe that God has placed a call on your heart to care for the orphaned through the means of foster care and adoption, you need to remember that call on your life every day. When you doubt, look to Christ. Cling to Him. And look back at where God's called you up to this point when you feel like you cannot move forward another inch. As you enter into this process of foster care and adoption, you do it by faith with a lot of uncertainties and unknowns that are associated with it. But I want to assure you, be confident in it. Be faithful to it. The child that God has brought into your life is absolutely worth every second. Every second. Rest in God's grace. It's not a burden to care for orphan children, but a joy. The only burden that we carry is the number of orphan children that are still remaining out there all around the world. Some of you may be thinking or asking the question of what if, what if God has not laid on my heart to start the foster care and adoption process? I'm certainly glad you asked that question. As I mentioned early on, that not everyone is called to foster care. Not everyone is called to adopt. But Scripture does clearly tell us that we are to care for the widows and orphans. Therefore, it is a joint responsibility. Church, this is an all-hands-on-deck effort. The people in here that have acted on God's call to foster and adopt, they, they need your help in every step of the way. Some of the children that they are placed with, they, they come with, with extra needs. They come with medical needs as well. Perhaps putting them in the midst of, of doctor's offices multiple times a week or hospitals more frequently. Some of the families have additional children uh, and may need help with child care. Child care is just one of the tangible ways that, that we as a church can come alongside these families who, who have felt that burden to step into that light, to step into foster care and adoption. A few other ways is just by providing meals, sitting, 
listening, just listening, praying with them. Their journey is amazing. And just to sit and listen and to hear that from start to finish is a joy. This journey does not end when they, the day that they receive a child. If you have gone through this, you know that. It does not stop the day that you receive the child or even the day that an adoption is finalized. The implications of where some of these children have come from does not end. But it often entails a lifelong journey of restoration. Listen, I'd like to draw an end to uh, today's uh, text with, with my wife and I's adoption story. And I think, that, uh, I think that it would be helpful to see God's sovereignty in it uh, from beginning, middle, and, and where I stand right now. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we felt called to adopt a child with uh, special needs. And uh, uh, this stems just from our, our heart for that community. My wife has a, uh, a special needs brother that has since uh, left us to go be with the Lord many years ago. Uh, so that call to, to adopt a child with special needs uh, was just always, always with us. And, and when, we, when we became Christians and we got uh, into the context of a healthy church, that fire and that, that desire just, just kept growing. So we began working with, uh, with an out-of-state agency that, that did just that. Uh, in January of 2021, we, we actually started our home study uh, process with an agency down in Wilmington. It's a process, it's tedious, right? It takes time. Any of you have gone through it, you know that. It's paper upon paper upon paper. It's getting people to write on you and, and to, 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 to confirm that you are who you actually say you are, and it's time-consuming. But listen, we're through that, through that process, we were constantly reminded that this is where God has called us. We met with the director of the agency where, down in Wilmington that we were doing our home study uh, process through, and uh, we asked just out of curiosity, we said if, we asked if there was any, if she ever had any uh, special needs adoption cases, and this is how she replied, she said, no, we never have, but if we do, I'll, I'll keep you guys in mind. See, we were not going through this agency for adoption. We were simply going through just for the, the home study process. So fast forward about six months. Uh, after all the paperwork and interviews, we, we found out from the director that we were officially home study approved. Uh, we were very happy to, to hear that, and we were ecstatic, and we had in mind that we would not get placed for quite some time. I'm looking down, I'm like, six months from now, January 2022, uh, and at this time, it's, we're talking in the summertime when we got approved. So uh, we were home study approved on, on a Monday, uh, and that Friday, uh, we were gathered around the dinner table, and my wife's phone rang. Naturally, uh, she never answers her phone, so she just, she just uh, let it ring, especially when it's me calling, she never answers her phone. But uh, she let it ring, and it, it went to voicemail. Uh, but I, I happened to glance over, and I saw that the area code was a, was a 910 area code, and uh, that there, there was actually, a, they left a voicemail. 
So I told her, I said, you should, you should probably go listen to, to that message uh, and call the number back. Uh, so she did, and uh, after she listened to the message, uh, I mean, I'm talking within seconds, like I didn't see her. She just ran outside the back door. Uh, so I got up, I looked out back, and I'm like, what is going on right now? I look, I look out there, she's nowhere to be seen. Uh, it's like, where in the world? She just, she just got vaporized. She just vanished out of nowhere. But 30 minutes later, she walks in the house, and she has tears pouring out her eyes. She exclaimed to me, she said, I think we have a daughter in Chapel Hill. This was four days after we'd been home study approved, by the way, just to give some context. I had no idea what to say. I was blown away, and the director started the phone call off by saying, and Katie told me this uh, afterwards, uh, she said, remember how I said I'd call you while I'm calling you. At this point, at this point, there was a baby girl that was in critical condition in the NICU at Chapel Hill, orphaned, no family. We shared the news with our other kiddos, and they were ecstatic. The next day, we dropped them off at Gabe and, and uh, Stephanie Hernandez, who lovingly, without hesitation, offered to take our kiddos. It's like 6.30 in the morning. My wife and I, after that, we were off to meet our daughter in Chapel Hill. That afternoon, we walked into the NICU. We laid eyes on Nora for the first time. And amidst all the tubes, all the wires covering her little body, it did not hide how beautiful she was. She stole our hearts and we fell in love with her immediately. Shortly after we walked in, the doctors introduced themselves and asked if we could could talk in the meeting room. We all sat down and they asked us what we knew uh, about what had happened with Nora shortly after birth. Uh, They explained her condition and that her future health and development would be a wait and see. Without hesitation, we said she's perfect and that we love her the way that she already is. And at this point, we knew that it was so clear that God had brought us directly to her. And over the next couple of weeks, we would travel back and forth from Jacksonville to Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill back to Jacksonville. We learned more about Nora, and she started to improve health-wise. And we were finally able to bring her home so her brother and sisters could meet her. And it was in October of 2021 that her adoption was finalized. But it's only been in recent months that we've seen the doctor's description of wait and see begin to play out. I mentioned before that adoption doesn't end at finalization. Adoption has brought our family some of the highest highs and the lowest lows as we care for our daughter and her needs. As we navigate her needs, we learn to look back almost every day where God has brought us through her journey and to entrust her to Him at such a deeper level. We're constantly reminded that the gospel, the gospel is at the root of it all. The illustration that I gave us in the beginning of restoring a painting 
restoring a house, even restoring a small town, is so that we can capture the beauty of taking something from what it once was to restoring it back to what it originally was. We talked about us and what that means to look like as creation, fallen, broken, sinful, looking forward in God's redemptive plan and His sending His only Son to die for us a death that we deserved and saving us all who would believe in His name and repent of their sins. What a beautiful picture of Father and Son and what that means for us as new covenant believers. I asked the question what it would take to restore a life. God is restoring His people to Himself through Jesus Christ, bringing us into adoption and peace with God once again. Fellowship that was once shared in the garden. Because of this, we are able to, able to look at our adoption into God's family and partner with Him in foster care and adoption. I believe that Paul captures what it is to be reconciled, which is at heart the good news of the Gospel. If you want to, you can turn to 2 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. I'll give you guys a moment to get there. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Starting in verse 16, reads, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Folks, we are, if you are in Christ, we are ambassadors of Christ who have been approved by God and entrusted with the Gospel. We represent His kingdom and it is our responsibility to reflect that to the children that we invite into our homes through the means of foster care and adoption. I love you guys. Let's pray.